Hey Thrive Church, it's Pastor Kevin here. I am so glad that you've decided to join us online to listen to our message content. Um, what you're going to hear is from usually myself or one of our uh, communication team members. We actually use a teaching team at Thrive because we're one church in two locations. And so um, on any given Sunday, you're going to see myself or one of our gifted communicators at one of our locations. And this summer, we're actually in a series called Rewind. And what we're doing is taking some of our best message content throughout the years, the past seven years at Thrive, and we're repackaging it just for you so you can get some of the best sermons that you've ever heard at Thrive Church. If you were like me growing up, you had those little VHSs. Yes, I'm, I'm that old. And I used the VHS tape to watch uh, VHSs with. And on there, there was a, a sticker that said, when you rented it, please be kind and rewind. And they would charge you 50 cents if you didn't rewind. And so what we're doing for you is we're being kind, and we're doing a series called Rewind. So this summer, you're getting some of the best messages from Thrive Church throughout the years. Now on to today's message. Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we this morning? All right. I just want to uh, say, first off, last week was amazing. Between both locations, we saw 15 people take the next step in water baptism. That's not the best part. Um, this year alone, we've seen 36 people go public with their faith through water baptism in this year alone. That's exciting, right? People taking next steps. Well, if you've joined us today, you've actually joined us in a series called Rewind. And here's what we've been doing. We are repackaging some of the best messages that you've never heard at Thrive Church, right? Because when uh, some of these messages, the Richmond City campus wasn't even open yet. And so the message today that we're going to share is actually from 2012, December 30th, 2012, and it made a really big impact in some people's lives. I remember uh, the transformation that it started in people's lives, and so I'm excited to share this with you today. And if you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 19, 1 Chronicles chapter uh, 19. Recently, something amazing happened. Uh, there was a guy named Tiger Woods. You ever heard of him before, right? Even if you don't like golf, you know Tiger Woods. Well, Tiger Woods won the Masters. He once again, in Augusta, got to put on the green jacket. If you're like, what does that mean? That's totally foreign to me. That's golf. And the Masters is the echelon of golf. Winning the Masters is, again, one of the greatest championships you can ever win. And many people thought the Tiger would never do that again. Matter of fact, 15 years ago, I remember on SportsCenter the day that it happened, that Tiger Woods was uh, incarcerated and he had his mug shot put up, that he got into a big tiff with his wife because he had committed an affair on her and she left him. And not only that, Tiger uh, hurt his back really bad and went through such emotional pain of the divorce and splitting up with his family that his golf game suffered tremendously to the point that in 15 years he had never won a major. And the talk on sports talk shows, so, so like during my lunchtime, that's what I watch, the sports talk shows, just so you know. It, the debate's always, will Tiger ever return again? And most believe he'd now passed the point he would never return again. And what was so exciting, I remember the day that Tiger won the Masters. Um, I was on my, my back porch uh, eating lunch. It was on a Sunday after church. I was trying to wind down, and I could hear my neighbor, uh, neighbors down, down the way, Pete and Stacy and their friends, cheering every time Tiger made the shot. And eventually, he won the Masters and recovered from one of the worst situations that had ever happened, one of the saddest situations that had ever happened in sports history. Most guys believe, most of these sports talk guys believe it was the greatest comeback ever in history of any athlete. 
He came back from such a big setback in his life. And the scripture we're going to look at today in 1 Chronicles 19 actually entails some guys on David's team, King David's team, who he also had some guys who had a terrible setback in 1 Chronicles 19. They're literally following the king's orders. The king says, go, and I want you to comfort one of the foreign kings. And they go, and something terrible happens to them. And if you have your copy of God's word, let's look at 1 Chronicles 19. It says this, the writer says, It happened after this that Nahash, the king of the people of Ammon, died, and his son reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came to Hanan in the land of the people of Ammon to comfort him. And the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanan, watch this, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Don't ever listen to people who question the motivation of good things done for you. Let me say that. Right, you can be very careful in your life when something good happens to you, somebody does something nice to you, and then the enemy says, well, you know why they're really doing this. Just take it at face value sometimes that, hey, something good was done. But here's what happens. Did his servants not come to you to search and overthrow and spout the land? And the answer is no. David was trying to be kind, right? It says this in verse 4. Therefore, Hanan took David's servants, shaved them, and cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks and sent them away. Then some went and told David about the men, and he sent to meet them because they were greatly ashamed. And the king said, and pay attention to this. This is the crux of today's message. Wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. I think today's message could be entitled, Grow Your Beards Back. For male and female in here, grow your beards back. What happened to these men was this. That they, they were sent to do something very kind at the king's orders. There's the Bay and David. They're doing something very nice for somebody who had lost someone. And what happened to them was one of the most embarrassing things that could happen to someone in that day and time. In that day and time, your beard was a symbol of strength. Like, I remember 15 years ago, beards were nasty and gross. And then Duck Dynasty comes along, and then some of this renaissance of beards happen. Now it's a manly thing again, right? Well, realizing that day and time, your beard was a symbol of strength. And they cut their beards off. They shaved them. And then they literally cut off the back of their pants where their butts were showing. It's kind of like when you're in the hospital and have one of those nightgowns. It's really embarrassing. If you've ever been in the hospital, you're just trying to, you know, like walk, you're walking backwards everywhere. <laughs> but they were greatly ashamed and they were greatly embarrassed. To the point that David sends for them, his heart, his heart breaks for them, and he sends them back to Jericho. Today, what I want to do, I want to help you. Because in your life, maybe you have faced this or you may be currently facing a situation that you see as a setback, something you didn't plan for. Maybe even you were doing something kind and got hurt in the process. And that's what happened to these men. They had a setback in life. Have you ever had a setback before where you, things are going good, things are going really great, and then you get the news. The layoff happens. The cut happens. The relationship ends. The sickness happens. See, we always have these things called setbacks in life. And sometimes they can be embarrassing, especially when you're doing everything you know to do. You're doing everything you feel God has told you, and then that setback happens, and that's what happened to these men. But what I want you to understand and what they learned and we're going to learn is this. You can, and write this down in your notes. As a matter of fact, if you have your notes handy, write this down. We can bounce back after a setback. We can bounce back after a setback. And this is really important. 
Because what you're going to read later, if you continue to read uh, the rest of, of Chronicles, David goes to town. David finds out that these men did this. Not only does he send them to Jericho, it doesn't end there. David gets some armies together, he gets his boys together, and he goes and takes care of business in a biblical way with them, right? He goes and takes them out for what they did for the men there. And these men eventually, as it said, once you wait at Jericho, then return, they eventually returned. They eventually healed from the situation that happened. And I want you to know this, is that in your life, you're going to have situations that literally jar your soul. They set you back. They hurt you. You feel injured in a situation of the soul, and it hurts so bad. You may be wondering, why would God allow this to me to happen? What did I do to deserve this? Maybe those men thought that. But we today have to understand that you can bounce back after a setback. And here's why it's critically important, because if you don't, you'll stay stuck in a setback. You'll stay stuck in the situation. You'll stay stuck in the embarrassment. You'll stay stuck in the failure. And you'll wonder, will I ever be able to trust again after what he did to me, after what she did to me, after what that church did to me, after what that job did to me? Can I ever move forward again? And so many times, I'll tell you as a pastor, what I see in people's lives is I hear this personally. I'm not sure if I can move forward because of what happened to me. And I want to encourage you, you can move forward. You can bounce back after your setback. You can, again, regain, as Tiger did, quote-unquote, the form which you once had in whatever that situation is. As a matter of fact, my son recently, you know, he's four and a half, and, and so he's kind of got that awkward run, you know? Like, it's just funny watching them run. They're getting their motor skills. And so we leave grandma's one day, and he's doing the awkward run, and I mean, he just, on the concrete, just goes down, like, you know, like man down, man down, you know? So I go over, and he starts crying, because of course he scraped his knee. But guys, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't just a little knee scrape. Like, poor, the poor kid really scraped his knee. It's like on the level of 1 to 10. That's like a 7. Like, bro, you really did it. And so I pick him up, and, and I'm, you know, he doesn't want me to touch it. And literally, he's the type of kid. I don't, know, I don't know if you have children or grandchildren that do this or nieces or nephews, but he literally cannot walk for days after he scrapes his knee. <laughs> he literally, I mean, literally, like, like he just crawls around. Like, he just drags his leg like he's been injured in war. And, and so he's, he's doing that. And so we're, you know, we're talking about the knee scrape, and I finally get him calmed down, and I, you know, uh, chocolate is always a good way to let me put Band-Aids on him, so I give him chocolate, and we're talking about this, and we start talking about knees. And I recently had scraped my knee playing sports, and so I said, son, I said, I scraped my knee too. And I said, you know what, when I was a little boy, I also scraped my knee a lot riding bikes. I said, if you're going to ride bikes or run again, there's a chance you're going to scrape your knee. But you've got, to, you've got to heal from it, and, and you'll be okay, and here's what we're going to do. And, and, and here's the cool thing. A few days later, he regained his ability to walk again from the scraped knee. It's this miracle. Like, Jesus, thank you. Healing has occurred in this household. <laughs> he regained the ability again to walk, and we talked. And he said, Dad, Dad, I'm not going to be scared to run or ride my bike again. So I may scrape my knee like you did, but it's okay. You see, there's a lesson to learn there from just a four-year-old about life. You're going to scrape the knee of your soul, and it's going to hurt. You're going to be running along. You know, you're leaving grandma's, quote, unquote, you're going to get in the car and play your iPad, and boom, out of nowhere, you're going to scrape the knee of your soul, and it's going to hurt. And you're going to wonder, can I, do I ever want to run again? Do I ever want to ride a bike again? Do I ever want to, whatever that is for you in your life of your soul, it's going to hurt. We all have those things, and maybe even you caused it, and it's okay. 
Uh, for me, I have a pretty embarrassing moment that I always share in Invulnerable from the Stage. But when I was in college in ministry, uh, you know, it wasn't a Bible college, it was a real college that you got a, a Bible degree, a bachelor's, and I went there and, and got my degree, and I was taking Greek as one of the top guys in the class. I also youth pastored. I mean, I was like, you know, doing a lot of ministry. And I'll never forget what happened at the end of a semester. I had a, a, a friend, and uh, my best friend was dorming with me, and there was this really annoying guy, really annoying guy. We're now friends, but we were not friends then. And he um, knew that we had exams and finals, and all his guys would get on top of our room and beat and slam about two or three in the morning. Chairs and hitting, because I went to bed early and got up early. He just, and man, I had to get up for a Greek exam. I didn't sleep at all. I was so angry at these guys. The next night of exams, just what happens? They do it again. I go up. And I run up there, they all run into the rooms, and I just took a chair and threw it down the hallway. Like, literally, that's, I tell my son all the time, the Hulk is my favorite character, because that's how I identify with anger. And, and, and it, did, it didn't get any better. The, the next night it happened, and my friend was sick, and, I, and, and what I did was, when they did it, I called the little dorm phones, before we all use cell phones, called the dorm phone, and the guy picked up his phone and was in the stairwell. He's like, hello, hello, and I walked right up there to him. And they're all in the room laughing. And man, I'm telling you what, guys, I, I literally lost it on this guy. Lost it on him. I, I didn't throw any punches. But it was embarrassing to the point that the RD had to come up. They had to separate us. Um, I got in really big trouble. I was a top ministry student. And I'm literally getting ready to, to take a guy out, right, with my bare hands. Um, anger has always been my thing. That's why I thank God for healing from that. That's been many years ago this happened. Don't be judging me and looking at me like that. You're all like, should I listen to this guy? Um, I've been through counseling for that stuff. Um, I'm kind of like the Hulk when he became the Hulk with Bruce Banner. He could actually think logically. He wasn't just enraged, right, <laughs> from the Avengers movies. But what happened was I had to go and um, meet with the dean. I had to meet with the president of the school. And then I had to go stand in front of my whole ministry class, 90 students, and apologize to them for what I did and apologize to this, this guy publicly. Not only that, but I went and chose to stand in front of my youth ministry, which was 80 students, and I had to apologize to them for what I'd done as well. And I'll be honest with you, I lost confidence. I felt like, you know, I blew it. How could anybody ever want to follow me again after doing something so stupid in my life? And it took a while for me to gain confidence back. It took a while for that, but can I tell you, I did bounce back after the setback. Uh, my anger is now a low-grade frustration, Right? And I realized I don't have to act in anger with things. And I did come back from that. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel like you've been set back in something in your life, you can make a comeback no matter how bad the situation looks. Right. As a matter of fact, if you keep reading, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 10, you can read the same account from Chronicles of what happened. And do you know what happens in 2 Samuel 11 to David? He faces the greatest setback we believe that anybody in the Bible had ever faced. David... One chapter later, he works with these guys, he goes to town, he's leading, he ends up going to the rooftop, if you know the story, he sees Bathsheba bathing naked, he calls for her, he has sexual relations with her, and then what happens next is crazy. Long story short, he has her husband killed because her husband wouldn't have sexual relations with her during battle because he had integrity, called Uriah, was his name, and then the baby ends up dying as well. And David penned some of the Psalms in his worst time ever, 
Psalm 51, which I love, like Psalm 51 is one of those psalms that I think shows a contrite heart. He's like, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He had lost all joy of knowing his Savior, knowing his God, his Redeemer. He had lost all joy to that. God created me a pure heart, a clean heart. Like, like David, you see a man that was broken. But what you see at the end of David's life is this. What is known about him and what they say in the book of Acts is that he was a man after God's own heart. And you're thinking, how could somebody that did something so terrible do that? At the end of his life, it says this, he served his generation and then he died. What was known about David at the end of his life was not reflective about what happened in that one situation, that he faced a great setback. And if you look at the New Testament, one of the best examples I can think of is Peter. Like literally, Peter sees Jesus going to the cross. Peter's like, man, I'll never deny you. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. And he sees, Peter, he sees Jesus going to the cross, going to be crucified. And the, 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 the Roman soldiers are like, man, let's find his disciples. And this little girl comes to him. They believe she's probably around 12 years old. And he cusses out a little girl saying, I don't know the man. Leave me alone. So wait a minute, you have a southern accent. You're from Galilee, right? That's a, you're from, are you sure? You're way up north. And he does that. He goes back to his old job. He goes back to his old way of life, believing that it's over for him. And what I love is Jesus finds him out. And not only does he find him out, not only does he, Jesus doesn't say, hey man, you remember what you did to me? I'm so angry with you, Peter. How could you do that to me? He never does that. I love what Jesus does. Peter's like, man, I'm sorry. He's like, go feed my sheep. Go feed my lambs. Go. Go lead again. And I love what happens. Peter ends up leading the revolution of what we know as Christianity in the first century. He is the leader of the church. If you're going to pick somebody, why wouldn't you pick John? He never failed. John never had a setback. John was always consistent. John was at the cross. You know what Jesus did? He said, John, you can take care of my mama, but Peter, I need you to lead the church. And he uses Peter to do that. See, I, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know where you feel like you're at. But I want to encourage you that you can bounce back after a setback in your life. And you may even be better than before. And here's what I want you to think of each day. Write this in your notes. Here's our next step. Because you, when you face a setback, you have got to tell yourself this. Our setbacks can turn into our set-ups. Our setbacks can turn into our set-ups. Some of y'all look at me with these, these, like this. I didn't say sit-ups, y'all. I said set-ups, not sit-ups. Y'all like, we talking about sit-ups up in here. I said set-ups. And what that means is, is that our Heavenly Father is working in every situation in your life. He doesn't take a break from some situations. He's not like, well, I'll get involved in this, but not that. He's always working in every situation. And that's the hardest thing to get followers of Jesus to actually understand, especially when you're going through something negative. He's working. He's active in that situation. And he can take a setback and actually set you up for something greater, just like he did Peter and just like he did David. Matter of fact, when you go through a valley, let me tell you this, God will use that to deepen your experience with him. Many of you are wondering, why did I face this setback? Because you will become real to people in a way you've never become real before. Think about this. The best person to talk to you about the situation you're going through is somebody who's been through it, right? 
what is the worst thing ever when somebody when you're going through something somebody says i understand and they've never experienced and you're like you say understand one more time i'm i'm gonna hulk out and he's like you know like that's the worst thing because they don't identify and what makes us uh, human are the experiences that we have and how our god met us in that experience you'll never know god as your healer unless you've been sick You'll never know God as your provider unless you've needed provision. And when you talk to, to, to what I like to call the mature, silver-headed believers that surround us in, 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 in our, our gatherings, they can tell you who God is. Not because they read it in a Sunday school lesson. It's because he had to be that for them. And what made God real to me before I ever knew Christ, before I ever came to Christ, was my grandmother would tell me stories of how God met them in situations. How God literally taught my grandpa how to read by reading the Bible. He had a third grade education and could not read a lick. And I always thought, man, that's crazy. How God healed him of cancer and how God did this and how God did that. And I started feeding off those stories saying, man, and that's what God wants to do with you. As a matter of fact, you're probably thinking, why did that relationship end so badly? My heart is broken and God's saying, I have something much better for you. I'm going to set you up if you'll just understand that I'm going to use your setback in life. And we have to encourage ourselves in that. So how do we do it? Again, how do we do it? There's a process to this. Because you're believing it. You're, you're like, yeah, that's right. Like God can literally turn my setback into a setup. How does that happen? There's two things we learned from David. Two things that David did. I want you to take notes on this here. The first thing that we have to do is be patient during your healing process. If you're going to turn a setback into a setup, be patient in your healing process. What he told them was this. 1 Chronicles 19.5 says this. He says, go and wait at Jericho until your beards have grown. That's the first instruction he gives them. Go and wait at Jericho. Now see, it's interesting that he sent them to Jericho out of all the military outposts they had had. If you know the Old Testament, what's unique about Jericho is that was the battle, the first battle they won in the Promised Land. They literally, God's instruction was, you're not going to fight. You're going to walk around seven times and blow some trumpets and everything's going to happen. Like literally, they didn't have to raise a sword against Jericho. And he sends them back to Jericho. And can you imagine maybe the emotions they had? Because they, they knew the story. They knew the history behind Jericho. Could you imagine the awe as they walk in? They're ashamed and they're embarrassed. And they walk through and start looking at Jericho. And they see and remember what God had done for the people of Israel there. He sent them back to a place of victory to find healing. See, when, when, when I was in Ireland, I would walk through these really, really old monasteries. And there was an awe there of like, wow. Like this you know, saint here, he, you know, he wrote and he prayed and he, he, he taught. And there were scriptures that were being, you know, there's so much being done in here. I just walk around in awe because of the history behind it. And that is exactly what he did for those men. They went back to Jericho. He said, and find healing there. See, we've got to get to a place where we find healing. If you've had a setback and you want it to be a setup, you can't just jump back and say, I'm going to get right back in it. You've got to have healing. Matter of fact, I've had to learn about this. I have a knee injury that's called tibial tuberosity. You can look it up and go enjoy yourself, right? 
And this is not like an ACL strain or a quad strain or, you know, whatever meniscus. It's nothing like that. I've had, you know, simple things of strains like that before. And you kind of just wait, you eyes, you, you, your doctor gives you a plan. Uh, literally, like Matt Ahn, who used to attend this campus, who recently moved, um, he was a, a uh, athletic trainer that we had a physical therapist. And literally, like, hey, well, it may take you a few years to recover. I'm like, what? Because I love to run and I love to play basketball, the two things I tell you not to do. So, he, so here's what happened. So I got on this, this, this uh, medication called uh, meloxicam. So I got meloxicam on. And so, man, it starts feeling better. You know, you know what I do the moment it starts feeling better? Guess what I do? I start running, playing basketball two or three days a week again, going hard at it. And guess what would happen? And I went and saw my primary doctor because she had to, you know, re-prescribe the, the high-powered ibuprofen. And she said, you just got to rest this thing. Because the moment you think it feels better, you jump back in. And many times in life, that's what's called a rebound relationship. Many times we think we're better, and we want to jump back in. We want to move forward with it, and we've not completely healed up yet. And we keep re-injuring our soul and wondering, why do I have to go through life like this? I want you to be encouraged. Be patient during your healing process. Let the Lord fully heal the wounds of your soul. And you need a Jericho just like they did. You know what Jericho is for us? It's the cross. It's the cross that, see, we can look back and see that our Heavenly Father secured victory over <laughs> sin, death, hell, and the grave through the cross. And if you're having a hard time, if you're going through something, you say, man, this is so difficult. All you have to do is look back at the cross and the empty tomb and say, you know what? Jesus secured victory in my life in every area that I'm facing. And that is our Jericho. Because what happened at Jericho was they didn't have to do a thing. They just, they just listened to, to God and said, I'll, okay, I'll walk seven times. Do you know something? You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from the place of victory. Jesus already won it for you. You're not trying to get free. You are free. You're not trying to get that. You already are that. And that's how you find healing. Be patient during that process. Matter of fact, the favorite scripture of all funerals, families ask me to share this all the time, is Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord literally shall find new strength or renewed strength. As you wait on God and you're patient and you're healing up your soul from the things that happen, God will give you a new strength for the new season that you're going into. But you've got to heal properly. Here's the final thing this morning. Here's the final thing. The next thing you're going to do is get back in the game. Write that down. Get back in the game. The next instruction he gave them was, and then return. Wait at Jericho until your beards have regrown again. And then return. Return back to service of the king. Return back to the place that David had for them. They weren't to stay at Jericho forever. It was to return again. And whatever that is for you, what does get back in the game for you mean? See, every one of you are facing something right now. Whether you're in that process of healing, and some of you know it's time for me to get back in the game. It's time for me to step up in the area that God's calling me to. The truth of the matter is, you can and you will bounce back after your setback. And many have done it. One of the greatest stories of my life that I faced with this was my dad. At 40 years old, my age right now, I know I look 20. Thank you. You're wondering, how could this guy be 40 years old? Thank you. Thank you. My dad at 40, I watched him lose his mom to cancer. His stepfather killed himself. He lost his job. This is all in, in, in literally two months' time this happened. He lost his job, and we lived in a small area, a small town. 
the company moved away. And we were literally poor as dirt. We were so broke we couldn't pay attention. You ever heard that? We were ADD family. And I watched, I remember my dad. I still had the visual memory of him calling places trying to find if openings were happening. While my grandmother was battling cancer, we were sitting in our house. And my dad went into extreme debt to get my brother through school. Matter of fact, at one point, we were in $200,000 worth of just consumer debt because he was just trying to keep us afloat. And he joined a little startup concrete company with a couple of friends and said, do you want to come work for us? He said, sure. And I know that because I grew up bringing my G.I. Joe men and bringing my Nintendo to a concrete company during the summers. And I watched my dad work 15, 18 hours a day. And I watched my dad end up helping grow one of the most profitable concrete companies on the East Coast. He didn't do this with the help of quote-unquote God. I know God was helping him. He wasn't a believer. My dad had one of the greatest setbacks ever. And when he died, he had put my brother and I through school debt-free. He was completely out of debt, and he had retirement. My dad refused to let that one situation define him at 40 years old. He could have quit. He could have given up. He could have said, you know what? That's it. And when I think about life and I go through things like that, I look back at my dad and I, I remember going with him to a concrete company. I remember him starting just driving a concrete truck. I remember his life. And I get encouraged saying, if my dad can do it, he didn't even follow Jesus. What can I do with Jesus? See, we have the greatest example ever, greater than my dad. You know the greatest example ever of a setback into a setup was Jesus? <laughs> think about it. They thought that they had lost. The disciples spread. Peter denied Jesus. He was on a cross. The Messiah, who's going to take down Rome, who's going to rule as a king, is now being crucified to be killed. That's a setback, right? Israel faced a setback. The disciples faced a setback. And what God did in that situation, he used, even what the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good, and he set up salvation for us, for all of mankind. I want you to understand today, guys, that when you're discouraged and you face a setback in life, you've got to tell yourself, I will bounce back from this setback. And God, I know that you're a God that will turn this setback into a setup because you're at work in all things for your glory and for my good and for those who are called according to your purpose to shape me into the image of Christ. This morning, will you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for an example in Scripture of men growing their beards back, of finding healing again. God, we ask today, I don't know what each person is facing in this place today. I don't know what their setback has been. I don't know what setbacks they will face or I will face, but God, I pray that you can give us the faith and the courage by the way of your Holy Spirit to believe you, that you're always at work. And you can use this setback for a setup. I pray, God, right now for courage to believe again, for courage to trust you again, for courage, Lord, to take the risk of another straight knee of the soul. I don't know what it is for everybody in here, but God, I pray that as we leave here, we would leave charged, knowing your goodness surrounds us. And that, God, you have a glorious, sovereign plan in everything that we do. Father, help us with that. And today, as we're praying today, church, maybe you're 
comeback is going to be coming back to faith in Christ. Maybe you walked away. Or maybe for the first time ever, you want to surrender your life to Christ right where you're sitting right now. It's simple. You admit, you believe, and confess. And you can start a new relationship with God through Christ. And right where you're sitting, pray this prayer. Make this confession of faith with me and after me. And you just say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself through works. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day to save me from my sins. Today, God, I turn from my sins and I turn to you. I receive Jesus as Lord. I receive a fresh start. I receive a new beginning. And I receive the full forgiveness of sins, God. Now, Lord, give me courage to get back in the game of what you've called me to. And it's in Jesus' good name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, every week.